Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio Thrive by... And I'm just making a few adjustments here in my headset, and I'll be right with you. Um, we have got a great, fabulous show for you today. I, I actually, I don't know how to describe it, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, first of all, let me just say thank you to all of you. If you listen to my daytime show, um, you got to hear what absolutely incredible deep gratitude I live uh, with and in every day. Um, that wasn't always the case. You know, I'm grateful for so much in my life, and all of you have been such an instrumental part of healing for me and, um, and, and facing some challenges that many of you are experiencing right now. And I guess the reason that it was important for me to face those challenges was so that I could, I could actually bring a message of hope out there. It's hard for folks to believe someone uh, that hasn't really gone through whether it's uh, emotional loss, a loss of job, loss of a loved one, loss of your health, uh, loss of your finances. And, and honestly, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, there we go. I know what it's like to be at that place. I know what it's like to be homeless. And I know what it's like to then be able to have amazing moments of hope and restoration. And my very special guest today is all about that. I believe we are going to open up the phone lines here so that you can connect with someone that I have to tell you, it's really kind of interesting. Um, you know, you look at your life and you think to yourself, wait a minute, this, this is my job. I get up every day and I go and I do this job. It's what I do. Um, in my job, in my case, it was a corporate executive. You get up, you put your suit on, you get in there, pull up your pantyhose and go to work. And my guest, Mark Anthony, in his case, you know, this is a guy that, you know, in, in, in all common language, we name him the attorney. You know, this is a life that you look at and you say, okay, wait a minute, who are you? Well, guess what? I'm an attorney. But it isn't that simple. It isn't a matter of what did you go to school to learn? What do you actually earn money from and have a career about? Um, and you're going to hear this today. It's going to be a conversation about what it is that, what is it that's calling us forward? What is it? What's calling you forward? You know, maybe you go into a job and you're having conversations at work. And, you know, I was a clerk for 10 years. My boss called me a clerk. And so maybe that's what you are. I sold hot dogs. You're a hot dog. Sell, you sell hot dogs. There you go. You sell hot dogs. But is that who you really are? Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, he's a psychic medium specializing in communication with spirits. You're going to find out what that is about. He is a descendant from a long line of psychics and mediums. 
that have been helping people connect with deceased loved ones for over a hundred years. His latest book, I'm telling you, there's a reason that this book is number one on Amazon. There's a reason that people are showing up uh, in, you, you know, drones just absolutely showing up to be part of his book tour. And there's a reason that people are buying his book. And there's a reason that people are listening to his message. His book, Never Letting Go, is, is what many people call a definite guide to healing grief with the help from the other side. Now, I don't know how many of you know about grief, but I would imagine quite a few of you. You know, my first bout of it happened when my mother died when I was seven. And then I went through a series of uh, my mother died, my stepmother died, my sister died, my mentor died. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I must be cursed. All of the women in my family that I'm close to are dying. But, you know, there's a different message about this, and you're going to hear about it. Never Letting Go, Mark Anthony's extraordinary book, his incredible message is about hope, but it is about never letting go. Contrary to popular belief, where there are books out there that say, let go, do this, do that, there's an aspect of life we're going to talk about today that is beyond beautiful. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today, and thank you so much for having the courage to take this message out into the world. Uh, thanks, Dr. Pat. It's, it's such an honor to be back on your show, and I've always enjoyed um, working with you. Uh, we've been, I've been on a couple of your shows uh, before, and it's just fantastic to be back, and happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I wasn't kidding when I said that uh, going through loss is uh, near and dear to me. But I want to ask you, before we get into the book, you know, I'll tell you, <clears throat> having lost a mom, actually having lost two moms, yeah. I was really struck by who you dedicated the book to. And I, I actually want to start there. And I want to read to all of you. Um, you open up the book, and he, here's what it says. It says, this book is dedicated to my beloved mother, um, Jeannie. Oh, boy, I hope I can get this out, Mark. A woman who made a positive difference in so many lives when she was here in the material world and who continues to do so from the other side. Thanks, Mom, for teaching me that love really does transcend physical death. I can only yes. ask you, Mark, how incredibly powerful not only this statement is, but for you to be taking out a message that does transcend death and transcends so much. Tell us about your connection to your mom. It was really great growing up with a psychic mom because around age four is when I started seeing spirits. And a lot of my colleagues who are mediums are chastised by that. But my mom could see them too, and so could my dad actually. So we had this incredible connection. And I'd like to share with you, because, you know, this is Thanksgiving, and yeah. I know there's a lot of people that are going to be facing the holidays this year without a mom or a dad or a child or a loved one, and it's going to be very difficult. But um, the day before my mother died, <clears throat> I was in my office, and, you know, I think all parents are kind of psychic. You know, I mean, I mean, Dr. Pat, you know, I know that you have, you know, connections with your family members and all that, and... I was sitting at work, and I started thinking about spaghetti. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm half Italian, so <laughs> I think, you know, spaghetti isn't weird, and I'm always hungry. And, and, uh, and, but I was motivated to pick up the phone, and I called Mom. And she said, hey, honey, I just made spaghetti for lunch. Why don't you come over? And she lived, near, you know, nearby to my office, so I went over there. We had this really wonderful lunch. 
And she looked a little bit tired, but she looked fine. And we were making plans for Thanksgiving because this was in October. And um, before I left, Mom said to me, she goes, Mark, I want you to know something. I said, what? She goes, I am so proud that you're my son. You've brought so much joy into my life, and I love you so much. And she Ah. just hugged me. And I said, oh, Mom, that's so sweet. I go, I really love you too, Mom. And that was the last time I ever saw her alive. I was Mm. in court the next morning, and the judge's assistant came out and said, Mr. Anthony, we need you right now. And I I describe this in in my book, Never Letting Go, but I went into the judge's chambers, and when I saw the phone and the the light blinking, knowing there was a call holding for me, I knew it was going to be bad. And it was the call that my mother had expired that morning, a complete shock to everybody in the family. And... It, it was, you know, the entire world, my entire world collapsed, and that's that's what happens uh, to people when they lose a loved one. Um, but I'll never forget something my mom said to me a couple years earlier, and we were talking about death and the other side, and she talked about it with such confidence. I said, well, Mom, you know, uh, sometimes I doubt it. She goes, how can you doubt it, Mark? You see them. I says, I know, but... Sometimes I doubt it. She goes, well, I'll prove the other side exists. And I said, well, how are you going to do that? She said, I will visit you from the other side. And within a week, I started seeing her, and she started coming through, and she gave me a very powerful message. And the message was, and I was grieving very heavily, she said, Mark, you have to let go of the sorrow, but hold on to the love. Mm-hmm. And that's where the title, Never Letting Go, comes from, because... We have to let go of the shock and the trauma of the death. And that's hard because it hits you like a sledgehammer. But if you allow it, grief is like a cancer, and it will eat at you, and it will take on a life of its own, and then it will become your life. So that's what you have to let go of is the anguish, but you must never, ever let go of the love that you have for the person who passed. And that's part of the message I'm trying to get out to people all over the world with never letting go. Well, I think this is, you you know, for so many people, the message about grief versus love is a powerful one. You know, there's something you say in the book, and I'd I'd love to really start here. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, you're absolutely right. Uh, Mark Anthony is joining us here today. And this number one best-selling book, Never Letting Go, Heal Grief with Help from the Other Side. It's an incredible book. And as you get to hear Mark share his story and, you know, the journey that he's been on, if you're like me, you will absolutely relate to this more than you even imagine. But you start by saying, you know, to heal grief, you have to start with the belief. Is that the belief that you just referred to in that the other side does exist, Mark, or is it something different? It's, that, that's part of it. There's, okay. there's a five, five points, I believe, that, that you have to believe. Uh-huh. And, that, and, and that is that, number one, God exists. And... It doesn't matter what you call God. You can call God Christ, Vishnu, Jehovah, Allah, Lord, Great Spirit, Father God, Mother God. You have to believe that there is something that connects all of us in the universe that is is love and intelligence and strength and power. So you have to have a belief system. Secondly, the other side, heaven, nirvana, 
Tian, the Celestial Kingdom, whatever name you want to give the afterlife, it does indeed exist. Three, we don't have a soul. We are a soul. We're a spirit having a temporary material world existence, and that is an that is an eternal entity. In other words, we are eternal beings having a temporary material existence. Four, that we can communicate with spirits. And people say, oh, you're crazy and that's weird. Why? I mean, every religion teaches. Quantum physics teaches. Energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred. So our soul, our spirit, who and what we were pre-existed this body as the Christians, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the Shintos, the Jains, the Native Americans, um, the Wiccans. I mean, everybody teaches. And so that when our body ceases to function, we go on. And I think number five is one of the most comforting parts of the five-point message, and that is that when it is our appointed time to leave the material world, we will be reunited with our loved ones on the other side. And of that, I have no doubt. And I think that this is the, you know, there is so much meaning to this book. Um, We are in a lot of grief a lot of the time about a lot of things, Mark. And I, I want to talk about this for a minute. Because there is, um, and there's, you know, of course, the individual grief, then there's group grief, and there's a collective grief. You know, let's talk about this. I mean, I know there must have been a lot of reasons for you to write this book. Um, but I would like to hear your view of this now that you've had time to go on this book tour and talk with people. You know, what have you learned from that? And has it changed, you know, the meaning and the message of what you originally intended? I think, if anything, it's intensifying the, the meeting and the message. And it's just, I mean, it's just amazing where I go all over the country and people come up to me and they share with me, uh, you know, be it a mother whose son was a soldier in Afghanistan who lost his life, um, a child that maybe was, I mean, and I hate to say this, but and I write about this in Never Letting Go, abducted and, and, and whose life was taken by a serial killer somebody whose loved one died of cancer, you know, death is the great equalizer, and it's something that we all have to face. And and I like what you brought up about group grief. You look at a situation like 9-11, and I've dealt with many 9-11 survivors where there were thousands upon thousands of people subjected to this this horrific act of, of evil and violence yeah. where so many people's lives were lost. And, you know, unless we were involved in it directly. We can't really relate to what these people have been through. It, it's like the soldiers, because a lot of, you know, being a male medium, a lot of, uh, a lot of men come to me for readings, because I guess they feel more comfortable talking to me. And, you know, I, I've never served in the military. I guess it's one of the regrets of my life. But when I've talked to guys that have been um, in, in a foxhole and they're under heavy fire, or I talk to my father who was in uh, the Navy in World War II and in huge naval battles. I mean, he saw, you know, aircraft carriers get torpedoed and explode and, and thousands of men perish. And, and, you know, the group grief, you know, just because people don't verbalize it um, doesn't mean they're not experiencing it. I, I see many times in my work as a lawyer, you may see somebody that people say, oh, well, you know, he's a really nasty person. 
he is really weird or she's really odd. And we don't know what pain that person's carrying around. We don't know what death they're dealing with. And then grief has many different facets to it. Um, when I was in Philadelphia, I was doing a gallery reading to a group of people at the Barnes & Noble on uh, Rittenhouse Square, and there was a police officer in the audience, and he was grieving from the loss of his police dog. Now, a lot of people scoff at that, and they say, oh, well, it's just a dog. It's like, well, no. We bring these beings into our lives. They... We love them. They love us unconditionally. And this dog saved this police officer's life. And that came through in the reading. I mean, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and somebody got the, the, the better of this police officer, and he was about to die. And this dog charged in and took down the assailant and saved this man's life. And the police officer felt guilty because the dog, um, you know, after the incident, was so ill that he had to put the dog down, and this is a guilt that he's carrying around with him. And it was just amazing how the dog basically communicated to him, it's okay, because I know what you did, you had to do. And then there's the grief of people who have lost a spouse, not through death, but maybe divorce. That's a very powerful form of grieving, too. So grief comes in many, many forms. You can lose a job, your career, um, separation from something that you love. Um, what about these people whose houses are destroyed in the floods recently and, and all their memories and everything? So grief is a very insidious thing, and it affects people in many ways and in many negative ways. And one of the points of my book of Never Letting Go, one of the points is there's nothing you can do about these negative events. They happen. What you can do is change how you react to it. Because if you succumb to grief, and I'm a criminal defense lawyer, and I've seen a lot of people, grief leads to crime. It, it will make you, or not make you, but it will give people a reason to drink, to self-medicate with illegal drugs, to engage in impulsive and aggressive behaviors for that adrenaline high. So um, grief can lead to crime, and then that crime that you inflict upon someone else because you haven't dealt with your grief, then again leads to that person experiencing grief. So it's a vicious, self-perpetuating cycle. And, you know, let's not forget, Mark, I mean, that grief that you then turn inward turns to suicide, turns to so many things because it becomes unbearable to live with it, doesn't it? Oh, my Lord, it does. Um, I deal with so many people who come to me for, for readings where a loved one has taken his or her own life. And, you know, the big question is why. Why did you do this or how could you do this to me? And I was doing a reading for a woman recently, and her husband committed suicide, like, right in front of her. And what had happened was their daughter had recently died, and the husband just spiraled into this depression. And his doctors began giving him a medication which he had a bad reaction to, and instead of stabilizing his moods, he was one of the 2 or 5%, whatever, that have a negative reaction to it. It intensified his grieving. And so he was not in his right mind when he took his life, but now you know, his wife has to live with the fact that she saw this happen. She said, I'd never even heard a gunshot before until my husband put a gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. 
and you know it it it's it's just such a difficult thing for her to deal with and suicide a lot of people uh commit suicide because in their background there is a death that wasn't dealt with and like you just said Dr. Pat um it's like it festers inside of them and it then consumes them and and leads them to this very very sad act and you know part of this is you know, taking a message out into the world that what you're doing, Mark, is it's really providing people with some answers and solution. And we're going to be opening up the phone lines here in a minute. I was really struck by, uh, I I was struck by a lot of things in your book. And, you know, you know that uh, I I do read the books. And so uh, I'm sure we're not going to get to all my questions, but definitely there are some that are so very, very vital and important right now. I want to talk a minute about this idea of doubt and faith, and you, you know, it's. A, it's a, I know that you have a chapter in the book about doubt, but it, but there's a reoccurring theme, and no, we don't talk about doubt enough. You know what I'm saying? It becomes the stepson of of fear and some of these other things. But it is, I mean, it's insidious, isn't it? It, it is because when you may be a person of faith. And you may have a solid belief in God, in the afterlife, in, in your religion, in your world. And then some horrific act happens, the death of a loved one. And then you begin to doubt, how could God do this to me? Why is this? I'm a good person. Somebody I know uh, recently um, was in a car accident. I mean, she, you know, she caused a car accident, and as a result of that, somebody died. She did not intend to do this. She was not under the influence of alcohol. It was simply an accident. And she's pondering, how could this have happened to me? I'm a good person. And it is at times like this where you can actually lose your faith. You feel your faith draining from you. And that's why I refer to doubt as being part of the journey. And if you look at all the great spiritual teachers, from Buddha to Christ, Uh, to St. Francis, to Gandhi, to Mother Teresa, all of them had a tremendous test of faith where they actually even, you know, just maybe even for a few moments, doubted the existence of God at all. You know, people say, how can you say that about Jesus? But on the cross, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, and then, of course, he regains, he regains his faith, but, you know, Mother Teresa, I mean, I mean, she doubted the existence of God at one point in her life. And you wonder, how could Mother Teresa, someone so spiritual, do this? <laughs> but but it's, it's a test. I mean, it's, it's a constant test. And a, a good friend of mine is a rabbi said, well, Mark, how can you have faith without doubt? And, and I really liked the way he put it together, and I, I felt better. <laughs> I felt better when he told me that. So... We oftentimes have these doubts, and it's okay to have these doubts, and it's okay to be angry, and it's okay to be angry even at God, because God's pure love, and even if you say, how can you do this to me, that's all part of the coping process. I love this conversation, Mark, because you know this and I know this, and sometimes in the world we live in, you know, it becomes taboo to actually say that we actually doubt something, right, that we actually fear something. Uh, that we actually actually have a bad hair day every once in a while. You know what I'm saying, Mark? Sure. Uh, 
Right. But I, I'm like you. Uh, I go through life. I have my doubts. I have my fear. Um, there's so much that does come up uh, that asks for explore, exploration. And, you know, the question then becomes never letting go. It's such a very powerful term, especially in a world, in a pop culture. And let, let's just talk about a new age culture where letting go seems to be the theme for so many things. But I don't know about you. There are aspects of letting go that I just have not been able to master. You know what I'm saying? Oh, sure. I mean, anyone that has an ex. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're going to talk about that tonight. Now, look at Now I know you're psychic. Now you're getting into my psychic space, dude. But, you I was know, just I mean, thinking of my ex, actually, it, talking well, with you. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it makes sense. I mean, you know, uh, there's this big... Um, movement towards closure. We have to have closure, you know. I remember, yeah, I remember when that term first started coming up. It was like in the early '90s. In the '80s, everyone was codependent. In the '90s, everyone needed closure. And um, you know, it's not so easy to just shut the book on something. Um, it, yes, it's nice to be able to let go of, of a lousy childhood, of a lousy relationship, uh, of resentment, and you know, it's all part of uh, the more complex um, virtue of forgiveness. And forgiveness is is very difficult. It can take uh, an entire lifetime to truly forgive somebody. Um, But it's it's something we must strive towards. I did, um, if there's any children listening, you may want to get them out of the room for for this story. Uh, It's it's not profane or anything, but I was doing a reading for a woman uh, a couple months ago. Really awesome lady. And her mother's spirit came through, and I could tell that her mother had been an alcoholic. And the client said, well, I forgive her. You know, and I could tell from the tone of her voice, eh, we're still working on this. And I said, well, your mother is um, she's referencing Christmas time, um, and I'm seeing a tangerine. And it was odd because at first, you know, it was orange. I almost said orange, but then I, I heard tangerine. And she looks at me, she goes, well, that's interesting. She said, every Christmas, I had a tangerine in my stocking from Santa Claus. Wow. And I thought, well, that's good. And then she goes, and then one Christmas Eve, I was about six years old, and Daddy took me to Mass. Uh, So I guess they were Catholic. And she said, when I came home on Christmas Eve, there was Mom passed out drunk on the floor next to a bag of tangerines in my Christmas stocking. And that's... Mm how I found out about Santa Claus. And then another message came across that said, thank you for what you still do with tangerines. You honor me. And she said she knows about that. And I go, what? She goes, well, I still put tangerines in my children's and grandchildren's stockings at Christmas because in some way it keeps me connected to her. And then the tears started to flow, and I'll never forget how she looked up, you know, like to the heavens, and she said, I love you, Mom. And it was at that moment the healing really set in. And that was letting go. She let go of the anger, of the resentment. I mean, she said, do you know what it was like having a drunk for a mom? coming home, there's no dinner on the table, but plenty of booze embarrassing me in front of my friends. She said, but through all that, I really did love her. 
and then I saw that she was letting go of that anger, but not letting go of the love she had for her mother. And that, to me, is healthy healing and healthy letting go and healthy not letting go. You shouldn't let go of love. And I, and I go to a lot of grief counseling groups, like, you have to let go of the person who died. And I see people, there trembling, like, I don't want to, I don't want to. And I tell them, you know, and I'll, I'll butt in and say, you don't have to let go of them. What you let go is anger, of guilt, of remorse, of the pain. You know, nobody has a perfect relationship. I mean, you know, as great a relationship as I had my mother, we had words. You know, she's a mom. She could just look at me and inflict the guilt ray, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah and I, what, you know, I don't want to ask you, but was she an Italian mom? Oh, my God, yeah. You know, okay. It's, it's funny. I was giving a lecture to a bunch of people, and somebody asked a question about guilt. And I go, you're Jewish, right? She goes, yeah. I go, you guys think you have guilt? No way. Italians, Italian <laughs> Catholics, boy, we have corners of market on guilt. <laughs> <laughs> and it was oh my funny. god it's true it really it, it's is true. It, it is true and um you know so nobody has a perfect relationship and everybody has said something at, at, to someone they love at one point in their life that they wish they didn't say you know i mean i i have people that um the last words they said to somebody is i wish you were dead and then the person gets killed in a car accident you know right. talk about guilt and you know, so I, I do stress that when you end a conversation with somebody, even, you know, if somebody you love, even if you are just so angry at them, tell them, look, I'm really ticked off at you right now, but I love you, so i got to go. Because you never know if that will be the last thing that you do say to that person. Exactly. Well, you know, what we're going to do here, Mark and I are going to continue to chat. Before we do, I want to make sure we give out some website. Um, Mark, let's take a moment before I give out the phone number for people to actually call in and connect with you. And maybe we can do a couple readings here. Let's tell folks, first of all, how they can get a copy of the book. And then I also want to direct them to your website because there's also lots of great information there as well. Absolutely. Um, Well, Never Letting Go is on sale at all fine bookstores like Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Indie Books, Independent Spiritual Bookstores. You can also purchase it at Amazon.com online and through BarnesandNoble.com. And my website uh, is NeverLettingGo.com. I I thought I'd make it easy for everybody. And you can watch the video about the book. It's only about four minutes. It'll explain um, about the book. And if you see the Amazon or Barnes & Noble logos, if you click on them, it'll take you right to the page to order Never Letting Go. And also on my website, there's a section known as Grief Management. And I highly recommend this for anyone who's coping with loss. There, There's uh, coping techniques. Um, there are things to say to somebody in grief and things not to say to people uh, in grief because um, sometimes we can – say something out of good intention, but it's really very hurtful. So you got to be careful about that. And there's a lot of resources on my website for people who are coping with the loss of a loved one. And um, I put them out there, um, you know, just for people's uh, benefit. Uh, one of my favorites is called The Immortality of the Soul. And what I did is I went through many of the world's major religions and, and gave a small summary a quote on how all of them teach that life is eternal, that when we physically die, who and what we are remains intact and we go on. 
And let's face it, people have been studying God and the other side for at least five to 6,000 years. So there's a lot of wealth of knowledge out there for everywhere from ancient India to Egypt to Christian Europe to, you know, um, Native Americans. So, so feel free to, to take advantage of those resources on neverlettinggo.com. You know, and part of this, too, is also, you know, having the, you know, what do we, let's call it a cross-section, because I want to talk to you about, you know, this idea of using paranormal, uh, uh, intuitive nature, whatever it is, to improve the quality of one life. But before I do, I want to just let everybody uh, out there that's listening know, we'll be able to take a couple of callers, and you actually will be able to get a reading from Mark here tonight. But I will give you the toll-free number, and Seth will be available to take your call. Uh, let's give it to you now, 888-627-6008, 888-627-6008. Just call in, and uh, you'll be put in the queue, and we'll get you on here. You know, I, I want to talk about a couple of things. So I'm going to try to ask one question, and I know we'll touch on a couple of uh, areas of this. This idea of paranormal activity, when my mom died, just so you know, I'm going to give you the short version. I was in Catholic boarding school. I was a seven years old. Okay, Mark? Okay. And my mother died. And my parents, um, my dad at the time, for whatever reason, my sister, my dad, they couldn't come get me. Oh, so wow. I never did. Well, here, here, here's what happened. You know, so there was this idea where people, you know, I didn't, I was in, I was with the nuns. I was with Mother Superior. I was with the church. I was with, I had the entire beautiful chapel as a seven-year-old to myself in a lot of ways. So I went through therapy on this, just to let you know. I went through a lot of therapy because, you know, somebody said to me, you know what your problem is? Your problem is um, that you didn't have closure. You didn't see your mother in the casket. So here's the thing. I went through a lot of therapy. And not a single therapist asked me if I had any communication with my mom after she passed. No one ever even broached the question. Everybody assumed that my, quote, issue was that I didn't have closure. I didn't see my mom in a casket. I didn't do this or didn't do that. And as I got older, and this really gets to the paranormal to improve your life, I always knew that what happened at seven years old in a, in a Dominican Catholic environment was more profound than anything because in that spiritual arena, I got to have conversations with God. I got to, got to have conversations with Jesus. I got to have conversations with my mother. So at seven years old, you don't know that you have to, quote, let go. You're right. just right there with the psychic energy. As if your mother hasn't even gone. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, uh, completely. Because uh, children are are very capable of perceiving spirits. It's just that we are taught to filter and tune this out and to block it. And, you know, your, your problem had nothing to do with seeing your mother in a casket. In fact, I'm sorry, but I think that open casket um, services are, are gruesome. I, you know, people stand around the casket and go, oh, she looks great. It's like, she couldn't look worse. She's dead. Yeah, know. You know what I mean? It's, I it's like, um, it's like I, I just, there, there's something about putting a dead body on display that I, I find particularly distasteful. Um, and I, I prefer to remember the physical 
well-being of that person when he or she was alive and, and well. But for you to have been in a spiritual environment, and I, I was taught by Dominican nuns as, as well um, when, when I was growing up, and um, they, 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 they um, really are very connected. And if you, know, if you think about it, Dr. Pat, a lot of our, our popular saints throughout Catholic history were psychics and mediums. I know. Look at, yeah, St. Francis. St. Yeah. Clair of Assisi could do remote viewing, Bernadette at Lourdes, I mean, the list, St. Nicholas, a.k.a. Santa Claus, um, uh, the, these were highly spiritual people, and they had these abilities, and they were drawn to going to the clergy, which kept them, of course, from getting burned at the stake, because if you walk around medieval Italy saying, I see dead people, well, they're going to burn you at the stake for being a witch, but if you joined the clergy and had a vision of the Holy Spirit, then you were treated as a saint, and and so... That's where the, the bias against, you know, when you use words like psychic, it freaks people out. When you use words like um, the gift of discernment, it doesn't. So for you as a child to have that gift of discernment and to feel the presence of your mother and to talk to God, you know, people say when you talk to God, you're crazy. Well, they don't feel that way in India and in, in the uh, Hindu and the Buddhist countries of Asia because there they believe talking to God and seeing God is an objective of faith. Whereas in the West, it's like, well, you know, God doesn't talk to anybody anymore. Uh, it's been 2,000 years and plus since God talked to people, um, which is certainly not the case. So for you, it was probably better for you to have been in that environment with the Dominicans to have that intense spirituality. And shame on the counselors who didn't say, at least, have you had a dream about your mother? You know, they didn't have to say, have you seen her or heard her, but have you had a dream or have you felt her around so at least you could talk about it? Well, yeah, but, you know, I'll tell you, it's interesting to really look at, you know, the psychological aspect of all of this. And thank goodness, Mark, that what we're experiencing these days is this bridge being built between paranormal, psychology, and, and spirituality, and so much more. Let's go to the phones. We've got Debbie calling in from Illinois. I want to make sure we give Debbie an opportunity to connect with us. Hi, Debbie. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Mark. Hey, Debbie. How you doing? I'm just fine. I love your book. Oh, thank you. I've been really connecting with that. you once in a while online. Uh, I, I, yes, thank you. How can we help you today? Um, I just wanted to know. I just wanted to tell him that the book is awesome, and it is. everything that he says is just straight up. I it love is. the I thing that it. he did, and I wish my mom's family would have been as open as his family sounds like they were. But I grew up the same way. And it's just like, it's awesome to connect with people that understand. You know, Debbie, it's great that we can all kind of come out of the quote-unquote psychic closet now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me. My poor mom couldn't. Oh, my God. You know, she she was apostolic uh, religion. Oh, she was apostolic? Wow. No, she, well, she wasn't, but her family was. But my grandmother also had a gift. But she got married into the church, so I, at that time, when they were 13, they had to join. And she pulled my mom off, and she said, my mom, she says, Flossie, she says, I don't think she should join the church. She said, you need to find a different way to go. And my mom did. But she kept it quiet because, you know, we were black sheep of the family. I grew up that way. But now I'm open. I don't care. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, you get to the place of really not caring when you do a radio show like this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Debbie, thank you so much, and have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, you all, too. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, and Debbie. You know, great. Go ahead. Mark, I, I agree with Debbie. This is a phenomenal book, and I want to make sure. This is why this book is a number one bestseller, Never Letting, Never Letting Go, Heal Grief with Help from the Other Side, Mark Anthony. I, I want to take, I want to, I want to kind of fast forward and talk about the book and the message and bring it into light in our pop culture. And the reason I want to do this, Mark, is because, you know, before technology, um, you know, before things really got to the place where you could go to a movie, and you know and by the way almost all of the box office hit box office hits are either science fiction paranormal right vampires right. vampires having babies uh you know what i'm trying to say right yes i mean anybody that's in a romance or a comedy look out but i want to talk about this because you you really, your message is look we use intuitiveness we use paranormal. We use whatever language we want to call it every day in our lives. So I want to talk about this from the context of never letting go and how we are guided, how spirits do help us, even when we don't think they do. Absolutely. Um, many times, if you're in a state of profound grief, you can be guided into a situation. And I find myself constantly being guided into a situation to come face-to-face with somebody who needs contact from the other side. And I was, I was, um, I was in town. <clears throat> I live, I live uh, in, in um, East Coast Florida, and I live on what's called the Barrier Island, and so I took the bridge across and was, you know, going shopping, Walmart, you know, typical Saturday stuff. And all of a sudden I said to the friend I was with, I go, you know, I need to go this other way home. And he's like, okay, whatever. And so we're driving, and then all of a sudden I see this art show. And I go, I need to stop. And he's like, okay, whatever, dude. And we stop, and I said, look, there's people doing sidewalk chalk. I need to go see the sidewalk chalk. Well, he's been around me enough. He's like, oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> That's what he said, you know. And, and I'm walking up, and there's this lady who is doing this incredibly beautiful, um, I could tell she was a professional artist, sidewalk chalk of this rainforest frog or whatever it was and i walk up and i go wow that is really beautiful i just felt like i needed to, to talk to you and she looks up at me and she goes you're mark anthony the psychic lawyer aren't you and i look down at her and i go yeah and all of a sudden i start hearing the beatles song hey jude in my head and i said you have a son on the other side, and I'm hearing the song, Hey Jude, and, and I'm hearing the line, you take a sad song and make it better. Mm. She goes, that's interesting, because I've, I've been a caretaker of several people who have died, and she hands me her card, and her name is Jude. And so I'm like, wow. And she goes, tomorrow will be the 10th anniversary of my son's death, and I really cannot thank you enough for this. And so all I was was directed into that situation to give her a message from her son. And the thing is, she doesn't even live in my hometown. She was on the other side of the state, and she wasn't even supposed to be there that day. She goes, something told me I needed to come and do sidewalk chalk. So this is a a very good example of spirits coming to the rescue. They directed, or her son directed her to this event. 
I wasn't even supposed to be in this part of town, and I was, and then I decided to stop, and I just was like directed right to her. It was very important for her to receive the confirmation from her son who had died 10 years earlier. So spirits will reach out to us. Now, sometimes it's not always as direct, and they don't always have a medium on hand to, to put in that situation. But one of the most popular means of spirits communicating with us is in our dreams. And I often ask when I'm giving lectures is how many people here have had a dream where a deceased loved one has come through? And, and Dr. Pat, I'm going to ask you that question. How many times have you or have you ever had a dream where a loved one comes and talks to you and it's coherent? Well, let, let me just tell you sort of, you know, I'm so glad you asked me that question. You see, I could have saved a lot of money in therapy if somebody would have asked me that question too. Um, I'm a daydreamer, and um, and uh, and I've always been called a daydreamer, but I've always been put down for it. You know how some people dream at night and they see images and, and – pe- my mom comes to me during the day. Perfect. Absolutely. I'm on radio. I mean, I got on radio by transposing an 800 number. Do you think that was a mistake? No. No. So and you went through all the therapy to yeah. get to become Dr. Pat so that it wasn't so much to fix you as it was to give you the foundation for you to help heal other people. Well, thank you for saying that because I didn't have a clue while I was going while why I was going into a doctoral program, honestly. But I, I went. And the way that happened, Mark, I mean, I was turned down by every college I applied to except one. And I was put on a waiting list for that one. And, you know, there were a lot of circumstances. So I think the message, you you know, that, that I walk away with every time I talk with you is really this invitation for everyone to fine tune our skills so that if I see a picture of my mom, or there's a song I hear that, you know, she loved or something like that, or a picture of my sister. You, you, the minute you mentioned Italian food and meatballs, my sister's picture came up in front of me. The best meatballs, sausage, and peppers you can – and I start to taste it. So what can we say to people so that we can really fine-tune these, this information, the vibration, all of this, all of what's out here, because I really believe for myself and others, folks on the other side are really trying to help us. Absolutely, and that's one of the things that, that's their mission. They have, you know, when you die, you're not just hanging out, floating around, playing harps and, and all that sort of medieval imagery. Uh, they have jobs. They have missions. They have um, development. And a part of their development is helping us here. And in Never Letting Go, there's a chapter referred to as contact experiences, where I explain how to notice these things. But I want to I want to focus on what you said. Two things in particular. Mm-hmm. Okay. You said you're a daydreamer. Well, daydreaming is grossly misunderstood yeah. because as we drift into that daydream state, what happens is we're going. If you're brain mapping us or or, or um, chronicling our brain waves. We're in the beta state right now. This is where the, you know, I can balance my checkbook, tie my shoes and get to work state. But when you drift into the alpha state, which is the sleep state, that's and, and you're conscious, that's daydreaming. And what happens is your brainwave frequency is elevating to a higher level to where spirits see that. They're able to perceive that and 
the spirit slows his or her vibration down so you get a frequency match. It's kind of like looking at a uh, an AM dial and we're at 520 and spirits are at, you know, 1250 and we bring our frequency up to 900 and they bring theirs down to 900, 920 and we get this frequency match and overlap. And so that happens in the alpha state, which is what occurs when we're daydreaming. So, you know, and, and I was the same way. I was, I was always a good student, but I went off. I was always in my own little world, and I was daydreaming, and, and the, you know, nuns were yelling at me and everything, and, and uh, my teachers were chastised. You're a daydreamer, and it's like, yeah, I'm a daydreamer, but I'm at the top of my class, all right? Is there a problem here? Leave me alone. And uh, that was usually my response. <laughs> and, but, but the fact is, um, that is a physiological connection to the other side. And so you're doing it in a conscious state. The second thing that you brought up is you think of your sister, images appear, and all of a sudden you begin to taste her sausage and meatballs and, and all the wonderful food she made. That is part of the sixth sense, the section uh, or the, 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 the part of it known as clairsentience, Clear sentience means clear feeling, and as part of clear feeling, you can actually smell or taste um, something that will trigger a connection with the spirit. In other words, your sister's coming in, and she's letting you know that she's there, and one of the most powerful memories and happy things between you and her is her incredible cooking. Oh, my God, and, yeah. Yeah, and so that's – and spirits do that. It's like um, – Every now and then I'll smell Chanel Number no. 5. It just sort of comes out of nowhere. Well, that was my mom's favorite perfume. You know, and I don't wear cologne and, and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not a cologne kind of a guy. And uh, I, was, I was working with a group of mediums one time, and one of them goes, I smell a perfume. And everyone looks at me and goes, Mark's mom. <laughs> you know? and, 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 and that's, that's who it was. So, so they will do this. Um, they, they influence us to where we have these physical uh, experiences, but that is legitimate and real spirit contact. Well, and, you know, let's talk about something also that in our pop culture, because I think we should, you know, we have enough time that we can, you know, let's talk about, you know, what you've discovered, what's real, and what are some of the myths, what some of the things our pop culture is all about. Number one, we see in our pop culture, especially in movies and television, the idea of paranormal and these evil spirits that come through. Um, possession and so forth and so on. And it really gets sensationalized. And I would love for you to address that a little bit because some people say, you know, I'm afraid to be this open. I'm afraid, you, you know, one of these demons are going to come in. I'm afraid to connect with the other side. So can you address that? Yes. Hollywood loves to scare us because scary sells tickets. Yeah. Yeah. It does. I mean, it, it's like, you know, vampires and slasher flicks and all that. If if movies were made about spirit contact, where it was a positive and beautiful and healing thing, boring. And it's, I mean, that that's how uh, a lot of audiences are going to look at it. And it probably won't sell a lot of tickets. But for those who need it, it's very, very powerful. I've conducted well over 4,000 readings. I mean, and that that's that's probably on the low side. No evil spirits have come through. And I don't believe in demons, I don't believe in hell, and I don't believe in the devil. And for being raised Catholic, I'm supposed to believe in all that stuff. But as I start working with it, I don't believe it. Now, I could be wrong. These things could exist. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, when you approach spirit contact, you approach it with reverence, 
and you bask yourself, you ask, you know, for the white light. White light is the spiritual energy of God to flow through you. And I say, heck, envelop my whole room and the, the whole house, my whole neighborhood, okay? Just, you know, we're, we're, we're asking the universe here. Uh, but, but what you do is you always keep it positive. I pray and meditate before I, I engage in spirit contact. And that I've never once encountered a negative entity. And I'm not interested in it. And I don't want them near me. Um, and if they do exist and they, they try to get in, I ask God to send forth um, angels to escort this negative entity into the light for his or her own good. And let me tell you something. You will never have to worry about negative energies. So, And then the people talk about demonic possession. I don't believe in possession, but I do believe in channeling. Channeling is a different form of mediumship. I, I engage in what's known as mental mediumship, where I receive mental and, and verbal uh, images in a, almost a telepathic uh, means from a spiritual entity. Whereas channeling, and what we call it in, in England where I study, is trance mediumship, is where you step aside and allow a third party to enter your body to temporarily use it. And I think a lot of so-called demonic possessions are, you know, mischievous spirits, maybe, you know, because jerks die every minute, and these opportunistic spirits that are looking to temporarily um, um, use a body. And I've, I've worked with some really incredible trance mediums who are able to, even when they do this, to still maintain control. So if you take a child who is a very gifted medium, and very sensitive, but doesn't know that he or she's a medium, and doesn't know how to control um, him or right. herself, then they're going to be taken advantage of. And that's what I believe. And I've had people say, no, no, there's demons. And it's like, fine, if you want to believe that, that's fine. But where I study in England at the Arthur Finley College for the Advancement of Psychic Science, we look at this differently. It's transmediumship where this particular medium does not know how to control it. And once you can control yourself, you can get that spirit to leave right away. So maybe we're saying the same thing using different terms, but I do not believe in demonic possession right. because it's one soul per customer, and you cannot sell your soul, you cannot give it away because your soul is the eternal component which connects you with God, and God does not do this to us. Thank you so much. We forget that this is a benevolent universe. Uh, Kim has sent an email. And, Kim, thank you so much. Uh, Kim cannot call in, uh, Mark, uh, but I wanted to get her question on. She says, hi, I cannot call in. If you were able to uh, to uh, ask uh, to question Mark uh, through here, yes, I am, Kim, and I'm going to do it right now. Um, Kim lives in Oregon, and she's wondering if Mark can tell her if someone from the other side was watching over her the night she almost wrecked her car. Oh, without a doubt. And it's, it's, it's a very intense female energy with an almost mother type of vibe. Now, I'm not saying it's a mother, but it's a woman who probably was a mother, um, very loving. And um, the message is that you need to pay, not only do you need to pay more attention, be more aware of your surroundings, but it was not your time to go, and don't push your luck, okay? So basically, it's, it's yes, um, there was spiritual intervention, but next time, it's all up to you. Mm. 
Yeah, thank you, Kim. Uh, thank you so much for sending that email in here. I'm so glad we were able to to really uh, bring that question to light. Mark, I hope you will come back. I hope you will join me on my daytime show um, because I so want to bring this message out to um, all of the listeners we have. It's very, very powerful. Oh, and by the way, um, just to wrap up the whole Catholic school at seven thing, I actually got kicked out of Catholic school at seven years old, I'm, you know, and, and I will tell you why. Because Sister Michael Anthony actually did ask me who I was talking with as I really? sat in a very empty chapel and was talking away. She asked me who I was talking with and she asked me to be quiet and I didn't. And so what I said to her was that I was actually talking with my mom and I was talking with Jesus and Jesus had a message. Now, you're a Catholic and I'm a Catholic and, you know, and I, I branched out a little bit. But honestly, seven-year-olds don't talk to Jesus. You know that, right, Mark? Seven-year-olds most definitely talk to Jesus. Think <laughs> right. about in, 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 the, in the Gospels, Jesus was loved children. Was surrounded. There was the one time when he was real tired, and the disciples were telling the kids, hey, leave him alone, he's tired. And he says, no, no, let them come to me. And from you know, out of the mouth of babes, um, I'd, I'd say children in many ways are even closer to mm-hmm. God and to, to Jesus because they're not tainted. You know, children aren't prejudiced or bigoted. You know, if you put a white child and a black child together and raise them together, um, they're not going to say, "Gee, you're you're a different color, therefore you're inferior." They don't look at that. It's when they're taught to look at that and to dislike and to be bigoted and so on and so forth. Children love unconditionally, and God is unconditional love. So, mo- and Jesus was unconditional love. So, most definitely, you were talking to God. Well, I will tell you that um, you never forget experiences like that, even after years of therapy. Mark, thank you for joining me. I want to ask you one last thing. Please let everybody know the website again. I want to ask you, what is your personal message? What would you like to leave all of us with here tonight? That even though the holidays may be difficult for you, remember that love transcends physical death. And while your loved ones may not be sitting at the holiday table with you, he or she will always be with you. And for more information about me and my book, Never Letting Go, my website is neverlettinggo.com. And for people that want to schedule um, um, uh, sessions with you, they can also do that through, through your website as well. Is that correct? That is correct. There's a tab there that says schedule a reading. Don't go to the contact mark. That's for the media people because people go in that one and they start asking me all the questions that will be answered on the schedule a reading tab. And um, I will get back with you. Um, I'm booked for quite some time, but I get back with each and every person that contacts me. I love you, Mark. Thank you so much for what you do. I love the book. Uh, I'm honored that you take time out of your busy schedule to join me on the show. And I'm going to get Linda uh, in gear to get you, at least to get you for January of 2012. If you'll join me on my daytime show, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I look forward to Linda um, contacting me. I can't wait to be on your show. God bless you for the work you do, Dr. Pat, and for everyone. Have a blessed holiday season. 
All right. Powerful message, everyone. Never letting go. It is a must read. I want to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on. I want to thank all of the producers on all the networks, PBS Radio, Seth, uh, Don, Doug, everybody that pushes the right buttons, Benny, Chris, all of you out there that do what you do so that we could reach the people that we re- reach. And we'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat Show. Mm-hmm. 